Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rabbit Ears. I am here with my friend Liz from now the Movie Reviews and 20 Q's podcast officially, I assume. Is that correct? Yeah, basically. Um, I think given that uh, <laughs> Sam has some fairly important um, family changes coming up and that I'm expecting Stacey to pop up the new sprog any day now, um, I've offered to maybe fill in some time and, you know, host a few podcasts here and there. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Well, so the last time I had you on, you recommended that I watch Veronica Mars, which has like, it was literally one of my favorite shows that I'd never seen, like that I'd been introduced to through this podcast. So like, I really trust your recommendations and your opinions. And I was not let down again today for the wire, just sneak preview of my opinions. Yay. Um, yeah, no, I am really glad that you like Veronica Mars because yes, it is bloody amazing. And um, I love the wire and I thought that would be a great thing to watch and um, basically I have recently got a new boyfriend and I've heard me mention it on movie Rose and 20 cues any of those of you who listen to that um and you know there's always the battle of oh my god what are we going to watch and he was pretty insistent that I should watch the wire when he heard that I'd never seen it and I have to say the first couple of episodes I was kind of like oh, I'm just doing this because I like you but yeah. then by the end I was like I don't care if you're here or not I'm watching this show I'm right? what happens next like yeah it's brilliant um you know I've read up on it a bit since I've finished it and um I've really seen uh, so many articles describing it as one of the best tv shows of all time and I would agree with that like it's just the complexities the the nuances the humor the the storytelling the morality like there's just so much to it it's, it's so well done I said pre-roll, like, it's going to be hard to really talk about everything that was impactful on the series because it's so dense and it has so much to say. And it does say it so well and communicate, I feel like, the thoughts of the people behind the show. And it portrays reality, really. Um, but I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm talking about all the things I love about it. But um, before we do that, Liz, since it's been a hot minute since you've been on, is there any TV shows you've watched recently that you've gotten into? Yeah, um, while I was in the early days and I couldn't watch The Wire because I felt bad about doing it. We've been together long enough now. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to watch it. Um, I was like, I have to find something new. So I actually watched um, Big Little Lies recently, <gasps> um, which was excellent. Really it's excellent. It's so good. It's so good. Little Big Lies is a show that I watched with... I'd heard like good things about the show, but it blew me away. Like yeah. that series. It's just, it's got such a feeling to it. When I watch it, I feel like I'm transported to this place. It's just awesome. Yeah. yeah no, I thought it really brilliantly made amazing cast, obviously. Um, even, you know, the music, the, the um, devices used to tell the story. And I mean, honestly, till the end of the very last episode of the first season, you don't really know who's been murdered. And like the whole story, no. the whole season through, you're like, Obviously, someone's been murdered, but what's going on? And you have no idea who did it, and you have no idea who it is, and they do it so well. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good good thing. I sort of slammed that, just binged it in a really short space of time. Um, yeah, otherwise, um, I love the Umbrella Academy, although I haven't managed to watch season three yet. Um, I've started again from the beginning just to remind myself of all it, because it's just such a brilliant show. I'm doing that with Peaky Blinders right now. I haven't watched the sixth season yet because I wanted to – First of all, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to Helen McCrory yet, so I'm rewatching the first few seasons before the last one. 
Yeah, it's so good to go back and revisit and go, oh, yeah, that thing, that thing. And then it just makes it so much easier when you then go to watch the yes. latest season. You're like, oh, yeah, the, I remember that storyline that's led into this or whatever. So that's been really good. Um, also have um, watched quite a bit of Utopia, which is an Australian show. So a lot of your listeners might not have heard of it, but it looks like you might have. Uh, no, I, for a minute I heard I heard Utopia, but I thought Euphoria, and I was like, I was going to recommend Euphoria, and I was like, no, wait, Utopia is not that. I have seen Euphoria. No, I haven't seen it, but I've seen that it's one that I should probably watch. So yes, I guess it'll be on my eventual list. But um, yeah, no, Utopia is this um, Australian show about government bureaucracy. I guess it's kind of like Parks and Recreation, but it's very Australian. And it's just, it's a perfect show for anyone who works in a government department and has to deal with just the ridiculous nature of the crap that, you know, just the ridiculousness that they have to go through. So um, I really like it. It's quite a dry sort of satire. Um, nice. Yeah, so a bit of a different thing, but it's good. And then um, a couple others was uh, Stay Close, the Harlan Coben series on Netflix. I really like the idea of those mini series, just like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just bang out a few mini series of, of these books. So yeah, I've, I've uh, really enjoyed Stay Close, and I'm sure I'll watch the other ones soon. And the final one I was going to mention was Never Have I Ever. Which is, I love Never Have I Ever. Yeah, I haven't watched the third season show. yet, though. Me either. Yeah, I think I, it's another one I'll have to go back to the start and watch again. But, you know, yes, it's a teenage show, but actually it's so wittily done with um, Bert Ma- uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the tennis, player. the tennis guy, uh, John McEnroe. John McEnroe. I don't know why I said Bert. It's weird. Uh, no, yeah, John McEnroe. I knew <laughs> who you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tennis guy. Like, like it's such a weird idea that he would be the one, like, narrating this. So, um yeah, it's just, it's very witty and clever, and I like it as, like, a little insight into American, like, Indian-American culture kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Mindy mm. Kaling, I feel like she's such a smart writer, and I love pretty much oh, everything that I've watched that she's done. Like, the Mindy Project, I adore. Um, so, yeah, I love Mindy. And she's actually also did another show on HBO called, like, The Sex Lives of College Girls. I think it's at least one season's out now. Maybe the second one. That one's really good, too. Nice. I have to check that out. Um, yeah. I really like the movie she did with Emma Thompson. I watched Late Night. I did. I watched yeah, that. That's she's it. so, yeah. she's so funny and so quick and so smart. I've just, I love that. That's like the best thing that anybody could ever say about me is that I'm funny. And so I feel like that's the highest compliment I can pay somebody 100%. else. To, yeah. Right. Hundred okay. percent. Yeah. Thoroughly in support of that. I have been down a rabbit hole, I guess, pun intended. I've been watching the shit out of Once Upon a Time, which I've already seen before, but for some reason, I feel like because I was watching The Wire, and The Wire is so heavy and so dark and so depressing at times, I needed something that was like the exact opposite of that to watch at the same time. Like, yeah. Because The Wire, I started, like, having nightmares and waking up with anxiety because it's, oh. it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to do it bit. to you. I <laughs> no, feel really but it's bad. real. <laughs> I know I mean, exactly what you mean. Like, some of it, you're just so, it's just so dark uh, and sad. And, and there's, there's just no full justice for everyone. And, and so, no. you know, there's some things you're just left wanting and it's, it can be really frustrating. And there are, some, there is some pretty violent violence. In fact, um, there are multiple scenes throughout the TV show where my boyfriend, put his hand over my eyes because he's watched it before <laughs> and knew something was coming. And I'm immensely grateful for that because I cannot handle like brutal violence. The only one I could handle was when the uh, guy who had touched Michael, like the, the child. Oh yeah. Fuck whatever, that guy. When he was getting kicked to, kicked to death or whatever and, and punched to death. And um, my boyfriend went to put his hand over my eyes and I was like, no, no, no. I'm fine with this one. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me watch this shit. Let me yeah. watch it again when I rewind it. 
Mm. Um, so real quick, let's go ahead and talk about, wait, am I on the right thing? Yeah, we're going to talk about what happened also in 2002, and then I'm just ready to talk about The Wire. So we're going to do this mess. So the show premiered in 2002 alongside of Firefly, The Osbournes, and The Jamie Kennedy Experiment. So not really a lot going on TV-wise. Yeah, no wonder. Uh, well, it didn't do as How did it not do better? Like, it should have been... Absolutely it's, taking over the airwaves. I feel like it was on around the same the time as The Sopranos. So like the other shows and Sex yeah. and the City was like ending around. No, Sex and the City was still on around that time. So HBO had other like shows that were drawing attention. And like maybe this shit is just too dark and too hard for some people to like really watch. Yeah, I think also just the the vernacular, the the language used, the accents did make it a little bit hard to follow. So people might have sort of picked it up and gone, oh, I'm struggling to pick this up. I'm, I don't quite know what's going on here. Um, so maybe that had an impact. Yes, because I started watching mm. the show. I'd heard about it and like I tried to get into it and it, it didn't take the first time. So I like probably gave up somewhere before the first season even ended. So this is my first time going back to it and really watching it. And I had a way better appreciation for it this time. I think it's good looking back as well. Cause you know, with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what the systems are like and, and, and seeing that the failures and stuff that we knew that we knew were there now, you know, it's, it's, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I really liked, watching it in the context of you know i'm at we're at 2022 so 20 years later so actually exactly 20 years later start. yeah yeah and um a the technology the changes and how they address that through the seasons was really interesting to me um seeing you know how they had to keep changing their approach and having to be agile whereas previously they didn't really have that problem and i think the other thing that i thought was really interesting from that era was the um impact of 2001 obviously of september 11 yeah and how it impacted policing because obviously they're reaching out to the fbi they've got and they've been doing this war on drugs for years and years and years and so they think it's this really important thing but actually now it's the war on terror and they can't get any support and I really liked that that was sort of weaved in and shown why they were failing and what they were trying to do because they couldn't get the support because the administration had moved on well yeah there is just so many times that the people are failed and that people in positions of powerlessness are kept in that position Mm -hmm. either through people's pride or greed or just pure not wanting to look at what reality is they just want to like tunnel vision on what they can stomach and so then these people just continue to be marginalized and continue to like repeat this cycle over and over again in all parts and it's just the show is just the perfect way of encapsulating like it encapsulates all of that it really demonstrates it all with everyone with the cycles that you see with the you know maybe one character gets his comeuppance or um or dies or whatever but then he's replaced by someone else and and so it perpetuates You know, like it was, and the show did such a good job of showing that. Like, you can just keep doing the same thing. You're going to keep having the same problems and keep having the same failings. Yeah, I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like, okay, let me real yeah. quick because I'm gonna I'm gonna go full bore. Um, this show premiered in 2002 and it aired through 2008 for five seasons, 60 episodes on HBO. It is rated in 9.3 out of 10 on IMDb created by David, David Simon. In the city of Baltimore, there are good guys and there are bad guys. Sometimes you need more than a badge to tell them apart. This highly realistic and totally unvarnished drama series chronicles the vagaries of crime 
law enforcement, politics, education, and media in Baltimore as it follows a team of cops and criminals that they are after. Oh, of cops and the criminals they are after. There you go. Um, starring Dominic West, Lance Reddick, Deirdre Lovejoy, Wendell Pierce, Sonia Son, Clark Peters, Andre Royo, Michael Kenneth, Kenneth Williams, and Aiden Gillen, to name a very small few of yeah. the actors, because there's so many. You didn't even bring up my boy Idris Elba. I... I have problems with Stringer and with Idris Elba, but I was like, I wanted to give him a shout out, but really, I guess him and Carcetti were in the same number of seasons, but I was just mad at him how he just, he fucked everything up. Oh, but it was fascinating. It was such a fit. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to okay, him. So oh my goodness. What do you love? What do you love about this show? I know we've talked already mm. about several things, but if you have anything that you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, I think um for me, it's really just how it's such a fascinating approach to what theoretically is a crime drama, but that just seems like such a basic description of it. Like that is not enough. I'd really call it a show about systemic failure, really. Yes. That's what it's about. It's I, I really like the layers of complexity and how it just adds on. You know, he, it delves into different societal systems, comparing and contrasting them. And I really liked how each season they sort of, added another system on top that you had to contend with and understand. So it was kind of like a way to build up this whole picture, in a, uh, but in a, in a way that viewers could sort of slowly take each bit in and then the next season be like, okay, so now that we've learned about, you know, the cops, we're going to learn about the drug dealers and we're going to learn about the school system and we're going to learn about the politicians and whatever, um, and the media, obviously. So I, I just thought they did it in such a good way and I really liked how they were continued – Callbacks. Like you didn't just move on to a new system and then forget about the rest. Yes. That is, is one really of my great. favorite things is I fell mm. in love with certain characters and I assumed that we would be done with them after a certain season, but it was nice to see, even if it was just for an episode here or there yeah. to pick up with their stories. It was just, <sighs> yeah. The really thematic ones you saw coming back and back and back like yeah. Omar bubbles, etc. But even ones, you know, you get to see Randy and Nikki in an episode at the end in the, in the final season, like that sort of thing. Just, just sort of recognizing that this is, a small world, like these same people are coming in. I really liked also how um, the there's all these different storylines and sometimes they cross over and sometimes they don't. And sometimes their crossing over is really good and sometimes it's not. And sometimes you really wish some people had crossed over. You know, um, if Bubbles and, uh, and Dookie, you know, Duquesne, I wish they'd crossed over and Bubbles could have mentored Duquesne the way he tried with Sherrard. Maybe things could have ended up way different for Dookie, you know? like Dookie is one of my most tragic characters. I, I want to cry. Exactly. You just see such value and such potential. And I really see, you know, he is the new Bubbles and yeah. Bubbles found his way eventually. And maybe he could have helped Dookie find his way. But I just think, you know, like it, the way it sets everything up, it was just really cleverly done. And I think in the end, I really appreciate it. I mean, I hate it, but I also appreciated the fact that karma gets you, karma doesn't. You know, you can't, there was never any consistency there. You Sometimes you earned what came to you, sometimes you didn't. Sometimes your intelligence got you somewhere sometimes it didn't so actually more often than not your intelligence failed you because the system was just broken you know white men failing up um just all of that like it just really spoke to the reality of life in a broken world like that and for me as an outsider to america someone i've studied politics you know i have a understanding of some american politics and i've uh, studied a few different things um transitional crime and things like that but just really understanding it from that perspective. And I've read up on it and it seems like it portrays it relatively realistically because he based it on 
real people's experiences. The the his friend or co-creator um Ed Bain, who mm-hmm. used to be a Baltimore police detective, and David Simon was a Baltimore teacher. So Jesus. you know these were real stories. These were things that they had seen and they knew about. You hit the nail on the head, and you actually described it so well. I didn't even realize how they were layering it by like expanding your understanding of the different parts of the system and how they like interact and play with each other. I was just kind of like enjoying like seeing different perspectives and like different aspects, but you're right. They did this show. I feel like teaches you and it does the most important thing that you can do, which is to get you to understand somebody else's perspective, get you to like see a different walk of life and be able to relate to it and sympathize with it, which is really the only thing that's going to make any kind of positive change going forward is to really give a shit about each other and try to make everybody's life better rather than just your own. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really the lesson in the end there. And it does, it makes you think I've changed my perspective on a few things watching this show and I've really challenged my own belief system and my own thoughts. And I I mean, that's a pretty impressive thing for a TV show. You throw yourself down on the couch to watch. So, exactly. And like yeah, the people who are marginalized, like the drug addicts, the homeless, the freaking dirt poor people that are just stuck in this system that of like just yep. they can't get out of it. Continually shed on, continually yep. exploited for other people's gain. You know, just like just... basically fodder, like black deaths are not at all important. There can be 300 deaths a year in Baltimore. If they were white, every, like the FBI, yep. everybody would be like coming in to save the day. But because they're black people or they're not white people, it just gets freaking brushed under the rug. And it's the disgusting. Fact that there was the 22 mass murders yes. in um, vacant lots and everyone was just kind of like, eh. and they knew who did it and they couldn't pin it down and no one cared anymore. Like that's, that's insanity. In New Zealand, they would be headline news for years, you know? Like, I mean, we just fought 22 dead bodies, like mass murders. Yeah. America's fascinated with serial killers and stuff. How is that not a serial killer? That's what I didn't understand. Like, how does that not meet the definition? It does. There's yeah. just, it's, the system is so broken. The fact that, like, the mayor, Carcetti, who will... I wasn't surprised that Littlefinger let me down when he got into politics. Yeah. Like, let's be upfront mm. about that. I was not expecting all of the things he was promising. I was hoping for, but I knew that he, when he went to like go to the governor and the governor was basically going to embarrass him or make him grovel for the school system money. And he was too proud to freaking go through that. And he effed all of those, sk- those kids in those yeah. schools. Like, and the and cops. Then, yes. Yeah. Cause so then, he on his back on that he's so short sighted. With his yeah. pride that he doesn't realize, like, if I have to divert all this money, then it's going to have a ripple effect. It's just, like, I don't want to eat any shit. Yeah. And it, it's ridiculous to me because how hard would it have been for him to just lay the blame solely at... Um, on Royce. He just got into yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, hey, guess what? I've just found out that Royce fucked the school system for $50 million. Uh, was it $50 million, whatever it was? $54 million. Yeah. Like, how would you not go... And this is why it's really good you elected me... I'm going to do the best I can. Look, I'm going to come grovel to this governor. He's making me grovel, everyone. But look, I'm here doing it, and I'll do what I need to do for the school system. Like, to me, that makes that would have been easy to do. Easy. But, That's a yeah. very simple choice. But I did think it was good that they didn't just make him out to be just a typical, uh, the, you know, because you can look at these politics and you think, uh, politicians, and you think, oh, you don't care. You're just in it for yourself. And you could see he did 
mean well and he care. wanted to do well and he just kept having to eat those bowls of shit and they <laughs> wore him down, you know? Um, but it I was think one hard decision after the next, like there was no, he had nowhere to go, but like between yeah. a rock and a hard place every time. Like, and I think that's really shown. And is it the final episode or the second to last episode of their whole show when he's finding out that the serial killer thing is, is a lie <gasps> and, and he's just like, speechless he just doesn't even know what to do with it and what I really what I think is another really good thing of the wire and is um really epitomized by that that exact scene is how Norman is just cracking up because it's so (laughs) ridiculously funny and that's what the wire does really well is that it interdisperses this really awful traumatic shit with these hilarious moments where you can't help but laugh and just recognize the hilarity and I really liked that they just had Norman just Finding the whole thing just absolutely absurd and not being able to hold it in. Like, that was I just mean, quality. what else? Can, the fact that he was laughing and Carcetti was like losing, like, he would stop laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was just like, come on, man. He manufactured it to get that. We manufactured it to get this. Yeah, we're all of this shit. What can you do? Like, he just, I just think that's good. And it's true. Like, I could see that it's laugh or cry. Yeah. Well, I mean, these people have set themselves up to be in this position. Like, Carcetti was like, I don't want to juke the stats. I want him to be clean. And then he's put in a position where he has to juke the stats so he can potentially get into a position where he can hopefully do some real help. Air quotes, not visible on podcast. But like, then he's basically having to go back on his word and be a fucking liar because the system beats you down. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I mean, how do we even know that he is going to be doing anything in the next one? Because once he's got to governor, maybe he's going to go for senator or, you know, like, so it's just this perpetuating thing. Like, they're all just trying to do what's best for themselves and they get in these positions and then it's just all about them, which is so frustrating. I did like, though, at the end, it was a little bit ambiguous about that. It wasn't really clear that Kakiri wanted the stats juked. Although, because, you know, it was his Because he wasn't the one saying it, it was his guy saying it, his little troll man. But then given that Daniels didn't go back to him and say, I'm not doing it or any of that, I guess he did support it, but... um. Yeah, like I just, I thought it was quite good how they didn't always have everything really plainly laid out. Like sometimes you were kind of like, well, maybe he doesn't agree with that or maybe that is something that's going on underneath his, um, outside of his watch. Um, a, a, a total flip side of that example is um, is Marlo. When Omar's going about telling everyone to tell Marlo that he's a little bitch and he needs to come out on the streets <laughs> and no one tells Marlo. And, and Marlo when Marlo hears about out. it. Yeah, he's absolutely horrified. He's like, my name is my name. And that's something he's really kept through that whole theme, right? And um, through the whole season, et cetera. And um, it's it's that concept of stuff going on in the background. And if there was some communication, maybe things would turn out differently, but you just don't know. Yeah, it's like the people that you put in positions to handle your shit don't want to deal with the wrath that comes with having to actually be honest and telling what they need to know. So they hide it from them just to make their lives easier. And then everything is worse. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole bunch of just self-preservationalists that basically are collapsing things in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think the other thing that I think that I, so, I mean, you know, you see these people just going through these same cycles and repeating themselves. And um, so, you know, Kakiri is the new Royce. Um, Marlo's the new Stringer. Michael's the new Omar. Decane is the new Bubbles. Like, it, all of these things, it's just these continued perpetual um, people just to replace. There's, there's nothing new. It's just no. the same story. But I did like that they did show enough growth so that you still could feel a bit positive. Like, yeah, okay, so 
these people are going through the same cycles and everything. But some people managed to break out of it. You know, you saw Prez, who was such a shithead at the start, Prez Belusky. You hated yeah. that guy. And you were like, I hate you. You're so useless. And for him to find love in police work and really recognize the work, um, see how the system failed him because he didn't have that training and understanding and he, he hadn't found himself and understood himself properly and probably was prejudiced. And that caused him to fail out of the system. But then to find him at the, te- you know, teaching, and he struggled with that too. But by the end, he's really owning it and he's really turned into someone who actually might make a difference. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? That's what would really impress me about the Prez character is that he went through all the stuff that he did with trying to help, I guess, help people or be a community servant and police and had so many failings in that and still. Yeah on the other side of that wanted to still find a way to be a community servant and put himself in a position of having to struggle to try to help people that were needing it. And I think his earlier growth was the only reason that happened. You know, if he, if he hadn't gone through those problems and that, that drama and like worked with the people he'd worked with, maybe he wouldn't have got to the point where he actually wanted to make that change. So I thought that was really good. It really showed growth and, and how that really helped him be a better person. And I think another person like that is um, Carver, Alice Carver, who really goes oh from God, being Carver's such a meathead. Yeah, love it. I, lo- I really like it. At the end that he a, becomes a lieutenant and he starts out as this complete moron. But And the, the dichotomy of him versus Herc, who's this yes. just complete moron, but managed to fail sideways. Like I really like that the story just kept telling these white men failing up because, as we all know, that is a thing that happens. Yeah. So, you know, in the end, Herc's failures kind of did him better because he had a job he liked, he could be a sleazebag, he could, uh, and he had all the money and it was okay, you know. But he was still angry at the things that he perceived as, you know, Marlowe stealing his camera was, it was Marlowe's fault that he got kicked out of the um, yeah. police force. Even though he made so many fuck-ups that season. Was that season four? Yeah, it was season four. Yeah. And that was like the same season where he, I he lost me forever when he, Randy left bubble. No, when he left bubbles abandoned, like yes. when bubbles needed his, he's like, call me, I'll be here. I got your back. And bubbles, like he kept failing him over Twice. and over yeah, well, again. Even three. Yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. And I love that bubbles. It was eventually bubbles, um, you know, reaction, like getting him to pull over that black, uh, pastor. The reverend. Yeah. 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 Like that, that got him kicked out. Well then because bubbles felt he had to take things into his own hands. That's what led to Sherrod dying. So her exactly. really is it fucking fault for that too. Yep, he's at, oh, Randy was where he lost me, where he told little Kevin that they knew he'd told oh. someone to go up, you know, go up to the school or the playground or whatever he said to him about Lex. Uh, and as soon as he said that, I was like, Herc, you fuck, you've just screwed Randy. And then, like, I could see it immediately playing out, and it played out exactly as I thought. And then it was so devastating to see Randy, who was this good kid, who could have, yeah. you know, if he had been a... Uh, in a rich neighborhood, um, you know, probably would have ended up being a Fortune 500 CEO or something because he's obviously all about business and making money. Yep. Ending up that group home completely institutionalized and, and broken, like that just was heartbreaking. Okay, so one of my favorite seasons is that season four. I loved seeing the school systems incorporated into the story and I thought oh God, it was yes. so... It was such a, because we got so many younger characters that we really became attached to, and each of them had a mentor-type person in their life that was really rooting for them, really trying to help them along, and yet four out of the five are, le- are like, basically 
not, I don't know how to say failures, but like they are failed and only one of them has a happy ending, which is Naaman. Like the rest of them, despite all of the efforts mm-hmm. of the adults in their lives and everything they could do, they're still in a fucking shit position, no matter who cares about them. Now that you said that, I, I, that's the thing I hadn't really clicked that they each had these mentors that were trying to help them. Yeah. I found it really interesting that, um, really it was the, the one you thought couldn't be redeemed yes. was the one that was redeemed, you know, that it was Weebay's kid, which I thought was such a clever call to show that, you know, it's nature and nurture. Yes, they have impacts. Oh, sorry, like, you know, nurture can have a big impact, but actually nature can be such a powerful thing. You can't make someone be ready for the game if he's not ready for the game. And he was all the talk. He knew what he was supposed to do and he just wasn't there. And, um, but arguably it was the fact that he was the worst one that led to his redemption because he got into that class he got bunny coven's attention and then watching him at the end when he was impassionately making that speech about aids and things you know you could see how proud they were and the change that they made and i was so devastated that for duquesne that prez hadn't done the same thing for him i I I wanted first of all i was heartbroken that the assistant principal made him stand outside like he was just nobody like point you know like once they're adults well it looked to me like Cause he was having some of the scarring and like the swords on his face that Bubs was having. So he looked like he was definitely, that was not his first shoot up that they showed at the end of the season. No. Um, so they were already like seeing that he was on a path where they were like, okay, we've got too many kids to worry about. We got to shift you off to the side now. Yeah. And, and that's it's something that they'd see all the time, you know? Yeah. Of course. Just... I'm sure they see students turn up trying to get money out of teachers and things. I just, that's I can't even imagine what it's like to, to be in that position and to see those things. I guess the only thing that gets you through is seeing the students that make it through and, and get somewhere. So I can't even imagine successes. like shout out to anybody who's listening, who is or knows a teacher and educator. Like there's, especially in America, you guys have so much shit and pressure on your plates. I can't even imagine. I don't even, yeah. I mean, I know how much pressure the New Zealand teachers have because I used to live with one and that was bad enough. In a system like that where kids have to go through, like, metal detectors and, you, you know, and you're dealing with active school shootings. elementary schools. Well, school shooters, you know. Yeah. Like the, the actual, forget the drills, like, the actual things. Like, holy shit balls, And, you know, the, the lack of funding and the, the um, pressures from, you know, to not teach certain things or to, you know, the religious oh my God. connotations yeah. and all of that. I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, you are a bloody miracle if you're still in that system and trying to manage that thing. I just don't know. Um... Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty heartbreaking that school season, but it was really excellent. Like it, it really, was fantastic. It was it was so well done, and you really felt for each of these kids in each of their own ways, and you really hoped for things for them. And on the whole, you just didn't get it. And I think actually that sort of was one of the other things I liked is the unpredictability of the show because there were people where you kind of went, oh, well, clearly he's going down, and sometimes you're right. And sometimes you weren't. Like Clay Davis, I really thought would go she down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that brought me I so much she, joy. That made me so disgusted. That whole last season was good, but it it was so unsatisfying and frustrating to watch. To watch Jimmy mm-hmm. making up this whole red ball and detracting attention and energy away from real yes. fucking murder cases. To see freaking... Clay Davis, who has been an asshole and a piece of shit oh, to everybody, get away with it. I just wanted it. to see him just, get his. But none of them, you know, none no. of them did. None of those top, you know, Clay Davis didn't get his. Um, Royce, 
didn't really, didn't he? He went off and had a yeah. He went off and he was fine. Carcetti didn't get well. Carcetti, I feel like, I feel like he was dealt a bit of a raw hand, so I don't feel like he really deserved just dessert. Yeah, not as much as he did fail upward still. He didn't do anything to deserve to be governor after he served a half a term as mayor. You're getting governor, like for real? Such bullshit. Yeah, look, I um I didn't dislike Kakiri as much as I disliked Clay Davis because I mean I I found Kakiri not quite as um as he wasn't as corrupt, you know. Like I mean I'm not saying he wasn't corrupt, but he wasn't like Clay Davis was next level. Um and him just scamming everyone was just beyond belief that he could just keep getting away with that. Um Marlo didn't really get his either. Not you know, at like all. He, no. Although that one pissed him, me off. I wanted Omar to be able to get him, and I was so upset that Omar got taken out the way that he did. I, I felt almost like liked that it, was... though. Did like, you? I hated it. I hated it, but then as my boyfriend pointed out, because I messaged him because I wasn't watching that episode with him, I was like, how did Omar get popped by Canard? And he was just like, yeah, well, the show's just reminding you, you, you just don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's going to happen. You can be taken down by nothing, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. And, I, and it was kind of true. Like, you can be the baddest fucking bitch on the block and it does not matter because little Canard will come in and pop you, which was, in a way, hilarious because it was just so <laughs> absurd. Um, and, you know, you can just see already that Canard's going to be the next Marlowe. Yeah, he Do really you know I mean? is because he was, like, wasn't he the one who was Naaman's first and that he, like, pretended like he yeah. got robbed by the cops? This fucking kid has got... He's in oh, the game and sociopath. wants to be in the game. Like he's, he is yeah. the game, you know. He's he's yeah the future of the he's game. He's the next generation. Yeah. Um. And Levy was another one, you know, where he. Oh, what a piece of shit! He reminded uh, me so I much of Saul Goodman, though. So I kind of liked that he always had an answer for everything, and he was so fucking smooth. But so I also smarmy. hated that he always fucking got what he wanted. Yeah. And he let other people who were pieces of shit continue to be pieces of shit. And he just didn't care. And the fact that he and Herc teamed up. By the end. That like was that, so gross. It was so gross, but it was so unsurprised. Like, when you actually thought about it, you're like, this makes perfect sense. Of course those two are going to get along. Well, it grosses me out that Herc spent so long trying to, like, bring down Marlo. And really, it's Herc's fault that Marlo fucking got out and walked because he's the one who said something about an illegal wiretap. So yeah, like, and, yeah, fuck absolutely. you, Herc. And then that Herc, like, he's so angry about it. But then by the end, he's just like, oh, Marlo's off. Do you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. acts like that's all he cares about. But by the end, it's just all about him and he doesn't give a shit. So, um, yeah, I really couldn't stand Herc. Honestly, most of the characters I didn't like were the white men. <laughs> which is McNulty. Let's talk funny. about McNulty oh, and yeah, his well, we have fucking to. psycho personality. So there was, like, he has this charisma that you want to like him. And then... They will show him. Yeah, he's on, good looking. He's, he's got, smart. He's he's he could but be. He, he could be, but he gets in his own way, and he thinks that he is just God's fucking gift, and he doesn't understand why everybody doesn't kiss his ass all the time. Can and we he's gross. mention here what I think is one of my very favorite moments of the entire series, and that's after he set up the serial killer plot, and they have to go down to the FBI at Quantico, yes! and they read out the profile. <laughs> That scene is just so beautifully done. Like, uh, what's the character? Uh, sorry, what's the actor? What's his name? Dominic Wood? Is that him? No, am I making that up? Uh, Dominic West. There it is. So, uh, yeah, so Dominic West. Like, the way he plays that moment is just perfection. His facial expressions. And it's just, I really like how it just kind of wakes him up to who he is. And how they're like... Listen to this absolute sociopath of a person. He's so dreadful. And McNulty's like, 
but that's exactly who I am. Like, oh my God. I wrote it down because yeah. I was so tickled by it. So like the camera does not go away from McNulty's face the whole no. time they're reading it. So they're like white male, late 20s to late 30s, likely not a college graduate, but feels intellectually superior to others, probably works in civil service, high functioning alcoholic, inability to maintain relationships, yada. It goes on and yeah. on, but it's like each one is a freaking Angry like- superiors. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like- lashes out of the world and punishes them for not like bowing down to his superiority exactly and it's just perfection it was exactly they they nailed into a t and i wonder if kima looked back at it once she found out the truth and went oh good lord well because Buster said like he's like oh they want us to go to quantico to hear about the um profile or if he's like careful you might learn something about yourself and he really did yeah, I really liked how they did his arc. I mean, I hated it. I hated that he was such a disgusting creep. And to Beatty, who was so lovely. Like, his ex-wife oh. did seem like a bit of a bitch. So I was kind of like, eh. But then to Beatty, you know, she just didn't deserve that. But I I liked how he was turning it around by the end. There was one thing I really think they missed. I was sad about that. They didn't show where he went from there. And I think they probably did that purposefully. But I would have liked to see what he decided to do. I think maybe he went to become a private investigator. Like, I don't think he could have given up the investigation side of things i don't know what else he could do but i don't know what else he could do either because like i like that we got to see i mean i'm skipping ahead to one of the questions which is like how how do you feel about how the series wrapped up Mm. i liked in the last couple episodes i feel like they had some like slower moments overlooking baltimore from a distance or from like Mm. higher up so you got to see like a a less intense view and like appreciate the beauty of the city and the quietness and like see a different side of Baltimore from what we've been seeing. And then like the last little bit, they like they're playing the theme music from the fifth season and they're showing this montage of like where all the characters are at with resolution. And I liked that um, Daniels is a lawyer and Ronnie was a judge. Yeah. I got to recuse myself from my first case. That was so cute. It was cute. Yeah. But I hated that Scott Templeton and those dickhead fucking bosses got a Pulitzer. Oh, like that, that was, was the gross. worst. That was one of I my least. I love Gus. Yeah, oh, Gus was incredible. Gus was, Gus he made so the fifth season. He was absolutely my favorite in the fifth season. Um, but I like that, um, yeah, so I hated Scott and I was really annoyed that they didn't show him getting his. However, I think that Gus um, really, uh, when he said to them, you know, you'll get your Pulitzer, but then you might have to give it back. Yeah. And I think that he was basically foreshadowing what what we should assume will happen because, I mean, there's enough evidence there that people are going to push back on that and he is going to be found out. That's I have to believe that because there's so much it's just evidence. so fucking depressing. And Gus is so tenacious. When he starts following up on it and they're like, what are you even doing? He's like, I'm scratching an itch. And I was like, I just love his passion for his job yeah. and for his craft and the pride he takes in it. And like that kind of pride that he inspires in others. He was phenomenal. Yes. And it was... Seeing his bosses shut him down every time oh. inside with Scott was... Not seeing just... his value, you know? Yeah. And you've got to believe there's got to be some sort of racial element to that, you know, yep. that they're, you know, pandering to this mediocre white man who has to just make shit up to get anywhere, whereas they've got Elmer, who was really trying hard, and, yeah, and Gus, um, who who was clearly competent, knew his shit. Like, how did they not just shut up and listen to him? And I, um, I have to give a shout-out to Gus's patience because oh the amount of times where they said, oh, no, we're going to do this, and he was just like, okay. Okay. I, I don't know that I could have done I'm that. I'm overruled. I've, okay, I said my yeah. piece at least. If you don't want to listen to me, that's on you. I've, yeah. I free myself of the responsibility of this. Yeah, no, that was that was really excellent. And I, I just think, yeah, he really made that fifth season – so much better than it would have been without him. A hundred percent. 
Um, okay, so who else do you like and dislike oh, off the top of your clearly, head? Clearly, the next character we clearly have to talk about is Omar. Oh, he's so smooth. Like, he's so fucking tactical and smart. And just when he jumped off the fucking balcony, like, goddamn oh, Spider Man, like, I was. That just took him to a whole new level. The, he's the, a superhero. I just loved that they had a character like Omar in this show. He was incredibly masculine. But gay. And this was in 2002 when we know mm-hmm. that there was still a lot of problematic shit going on on TV with regards to homophobia. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not saying it isn't still happening now. I like to think it's a little bit less. But 2002, so much, you know, I'm, I was shocked that they showed him kissing another dude. They were both black, you know, like it feels quite amazing to me that there was a TV show that showed two black dudes kissing like that, yeah. that in 2002. And it just was, but the big thing was it wasn't even the key element of his character it was just a piece of him it was just one part and yeah I thought that was absolutely brilliant and it really showed that it you know you could be this incredibly masculine person and you could still be gay and it doesn't it doesn't matter like it yeah Yeah. I just really love that I really liked his moral code I thought you know the way that they yeah he was very strong on that and that's how they knew that he didn't pop that um uh, that, that delivery lady. The, yeah yeah they knew it wasn't him because he had this very clear code and it actually really had you questioning like well really is he a criminal should he be in prison he's doing the law's he's, like he's getting rid of drug dealers yeah like yeah. it's i really like that grayness and um just how he just was really unapologetic about it um and like the the court scene is one of the greatest scenes in the show oh, as well the- <laughs> With the tie. <laughs> With the tie because he didn't want to wear It was a banging tie, but it was a beautiful tie. It was a beautiful just- tie. He was just straight up. And they just obviously had no idea what to do with him. The prosecutor was just like, uh, so, oh, sorry, you know, the, the defense lawyer was just like, um, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I killed drug dealers. You know, like, it's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I he's just he's so authentic and lives in his truth so boldly he just does not give a fuck he is just yeah. who he is and he will tell you all and everybody whether they want to dog him or not for being gay which everybody in the game seems to oh god he yes. has got everybody's fucking respect all the people on the street are running away oh, it's Omar, like it's Omar, Omar, it's Omar. Omar. yeah throwing out their drugs the fucking shit that he's got with Prop Joe where he steals the fucking supply and then sells it back yeah. to him. And then he even gives him his ticket because he had him repair his clock. He's like, oh, yes. give me that clock back. Like, he's so the fucking bad. out of time. Like, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> so good. But I also like that they didn't, you know, you, you still got frustrated with him. Like, where he just kept, like, a dog with a bone, like, just going to just keep pushing and keep pushing. And ultimately that's what ended up as death because he was weakened by that fall because he kept pushing to, to try and take out, you know, his opponents. And, um, yeah, like you were saying, just leave it, just leave it. And he, he couldn't, he could just wasn't how he was built. And, well, um, so he and yeah, Butch, they've had a lot of conversations and like Butch would tell him to like, leave it. And he's like, I can't like, this is, I, I can't live with this. And so like, it helped you understand that. And I respected that part of it. But then, oh, yeah. the other thing I was going to say was when him and Brother Mazone team up and finally get Stringer, like, that was so satisfying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I Stringer love that knew, as soon as he saw it, he was just like, I just do it. Like, I've got no chance of talking my way out of here. There's nothing I can do here. So he knew what he'd done. Um, and, yeah, just we could probably move on to Stringer. But um, one thing I just note with Omar is apparently Omar is Barack Obama's favorite character. And, oh really? Yeah, um, and I I can see why. Like I can see why he'd be most 
uh, many people's favourite character. He just adds such an... I just think the show would be so much less rich without him offering that sort of element. Like, it, it's another way you can see you don't just have the cops and the drug dealers and, the, you know, and these, oh, the cops good, drug dealers bad, or whatever. That, that's all explained throughout the thing. And Omar really puts to that because he's like, well, he's not either of those. He's He's not good. He's not bad. Like, he's... Yeah, I just... It's so hard to put in the words, but he just added such excellent complexity. He's a force of nature in the game. Is He's just, like, he's a part of the things that, like, they can't have insurance against, but everybody knows, like, that if Omar's coming for you, you're just fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and everyone knew that. Oh, and also just, like, when he he's walking along and they just drop the drugs out of the window and he didn't even say anything. He didn't even know that there was like a stash house there and they were like, take out drugs. And, but then how he was like, Oh no, no, no. I don't want this. This is bullshit. I don't want to just be given it. I'm in it for the game. You know, I really like that. That's Respect. yeah. He, and it was interesting to see, cause like Michael turns into like the next Omar. So we see yeah. maybe what was some of the things that influenced Omar to like, was he somebody who was trained as an enforcer and then was going to be betrayed? It's like, how did he get so familiar with the game? So like, it's interesting to kind of see that Absolutely. molding process with another character. And it kind of gives you hope. Well, I mean, hope's a bit of a weird word, but I'd like to think that eventually um, Michael kills Marlo. Um, you know, I hope so. He's got yeah. to, right? I feel like that's what it was kind of showing us that, yeah, he's the next one. So he's going to take Cause he went to the rim people. shop and he was like, you're just a yeah. kid. Oh, that's just a knee. Like that's yeah, yeah. that Omar would have said. So perfect. Yeah. No, that was, I really like, I mean, I hated that that's how he ended up because he was a good kid, but you know, he cared about his younger brother. He, he didn't want to be this person, but that's just the way society made him and, and his, his circumstances made him. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least it seemed like a, strong ending for him it's the only ending that was possible given what he had to work with on the show like he he wasn't going to be able to have a happy ending the best thing he could do was provide that for his little brother and like protect his brother he was his fucking bug's daddy fucked his ass up like Mm. and then like his mom being a junkie and having it's too much like no child should have to go through that shit speaking of children going through shit let's talk about wallace in season one a young michael b jordan like wallace killed me still not over it i'm not either yeah it was was such a child and he was taking care of the other children that were abandoned and left because of like drugs and uh, addiction and he was taking on that responsibility but then he was like yeah. forced to be a part of the game and then felt responsible for Brandon's life ending and just needed to escape and like he he was fucked yeah he was he, um, he was basically like equal parts this child that just didn't understand the world he was in and this adult that he had to be and it just yeah that ended him and I I thought it was I really liked how um they developed Bodhi's character like that because in the first season I you're like, God, Bodhi. Bodhi's such a little prick. And by the end, you really are sympathetic to him and you really show how the game wears someone down and just leads to nothing. I mean, these kids just have no, like, really no hope. The vast majority of them, you're going to end up either a drug addict or a gangbanger or in killed. prison or dead. Like, and, and that's really epitomized by really one of the last episodes where Decane's talking to someone, but I can't remember who. And he's saying, you know, I want to get, oh, there's so much more outside of Baltimore. And um, who was it? Was it Cuddy? Maybe. Yeah, they're saying, you know, Cuddy's trying to explain, you know, there's a lot outside of Baltimore. And he's like, but how do I get there? And he's like, I don't know. 
that's devastating. Like that these people just are stuck in this world that they don't want to be in. They don't want to do. They want to do something else. They could do something else. They're smart enough, but they just have no way to do it. All right. So one of my other favorite characters that I don't feel like we've talked quite enough about is Bubbles. Like we've mentioned him a couple of times, but like he is so fucking funny. There's like when he's a CI and he's helping them make the undercover agents look like an accurate, like a proper junkie with the cracked files under their feet. Or like he's telling Kima about like Omar's history. He's like, oh, he's like no hurt Anthony's brother. And Kima doesn't know who he is. And he's like, I'm ashamed to be your snitch right now. Like (laughs) shit like that. Like the way he like talks to people and you can tell he just has such a vulnerability about him and he connects with people. And when he's doing his whole sobriety journey and he's trying, like you see how much he wants to do right. But because nobody expects anything of him, he just keeps on falling down until... He eventually yeah. gets his shit together. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's really the heart of the show. He is the 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 beating gooey marshmallow heart of the show. Like he he's the bit that he's the guy you root for, the guy you really hope for more than anyone, I would say. And I think you could never have had him in a realistic world really achieving a huge amount. You know, like it would have been ridiculous if by the end of the thing he was a teacher or he was, you know, like that's yeah. all. But the fact that they showed him having dinner upstairs with his family finally that's what we needed that's what we needed that at the end we needed to see that there was there was growth and there was hope and that things had turned around for him i felt like like he was one of the few that got what he deserved because like there's one line the beginning of the show beginning of each episode like they give a quote by one of the characters from the episode and like one that keeps coming to my brain as we talk is the one that's from snoop it's like not about what he deserves it's what about what you deserve it's what you get and like that's what I feel like this whole show is like people aren't necessarily it's not about yeah. what they deserve it's about what they get and yeah that's I think that's really true the theme yeah 100% I didn't always agree with the quotes they picked sometimes I you know in those episodes I'd go oh that quote would have been way better to sum up this episode but then here we are yeah who do you not like um, I think we've talked about a few of them already um it's usually the white men to be honest Levy for his smarminess, Herc for his the amount of things he fucked up without even trying. Um, I got really frustrated with just all of the cops and their infidelities. Like, really, did they have to make all of them to be cheating assholes? You know, that, that was, was really disgusting. frustrating. So gross, like, like bunk, Kima, yeah, so frustrating. Um, I yeah, I didn't like Marlo for his brutality. I just just needlessly but, violent, like when yeah. they. They had Chris and Snoop and Mike go in and shoot up Junebug's family and, like, the kids were there. And, like, that was yeah. just because just just he too brutal. some stupid shit. Yeah, it was just too brutal. And I recognize that there are people like that and I think obviously it was a necessity, but I just never, I could never get behind him or support him. You know, there was just nothing like that. Um, and um, Snoop, just because I couldn't understand what the hell she was saying, I... um. I struggled a bit with understanding a lot of the vernacular and the accents and stuff in the early seasons, but I did okay mostly. Until oh, see, Snoop... I watch with subtitles on because I'm hard of hearing, so, so that... Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. So, no, like, from the third season, I was like, I can't do this anymore, and I actually had to turn on closed captioning. And even then, mm, I still didn't understand everything, and it wasn't even just, like, the drug dealers. Like, I struggled, struggled to understand... Um, you know, Jimmy early on. I struck, And do you know what? The, the um, newspaper, all the newspaper vernacular... Mm-hmm. It was really, really hard to, all the um, slang and the terms and stuff. I was like, wait, what? 
Well, I love that they even had to get like a cop that was like a basically an interpreter for the wire because there was so much slang that they were that the people in the game were saying like they had no idea what they were even communicating. Like, what the fuck is he saying? Yeah, but I thought it was really good actually. In a way, like it was hard. Like it made it a bit harder to follow. But it made it real, and you kind of just really recognize what they were trying to do. Oh yeah, yeah, that that cop that was the interpreter, the woman that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. She was fantastic. Um, yeah. Okay, what are some of your? There was a couple of running gags that I yeah. like kept coming back to. Um, did you have any that you noticed? She. <laughs> she. I love when Norman would say she to yeah, that yeah. shit. Because <laughs> a couple have picked it up and it was just quality. And now I'm saying it all the time and it's ridiculous. I am too. Yeah, Even it's Dan, so good. who, like, he hears it from his office, but I'll be like talking to myself and it'll be like, she. And he'll start <laughs> saying it too. So ridiculous yeah, the other nose, but it's so good. Um, it kept getting longer and longer, I swear it to did. you. It did. There were a couple of you were like, come on, man. How do you even have a bunch of breath? Um, <laughs> So yeah, no, that was quality. Um, I really liked the rules around the co-op, like Stringer really trying to bring in the lessons he'd learned from his economics class into developing like a really business approach to drug dealing, and then how they'd have these meetings and follow these rules around it. And the best, and the best, best part of it, the one of the best lines in the whole show again is when um at the end of one of the meetings early on, Stringer looks over and he sees this guy writing and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking minutes. Robert's rules of order says a good meeting needs to have minutes. He's like, Negro, are you taking notes on a motherfucking criminal conspiracy? (laughs) 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 It was just such lunacy and it was just so good. I felt so bad for Stringer in like season three, especially because like season two, he's not the main focus. You've got like the doc boys and that shit with the Greeks. And like that goes back again, like because the Greeks come back in later seasons. I feel like this show does a good job of not just disposing of any characters like they'll bring them back and, you know, draw on the and they, they've built they actually with them had already. to do that that way. Like the, I think it was really because some people might go, "Oh, why don't you go to the port and then come back?" But actually, that built the point of, "Yeah, look, these drugs are coming in this way, and here's how it's impacting this element of the city." And even when we get rid of the key uh, people there, it doesn't mean that it doesn't keep going. Like that, we don't, you know, those people are still selling those drugs. It's still perpetuating. Um. But no, so we see Stringer, and he's looks like at the end of the first season, a lot of the Barksdale crew is in jail. So he's left with like the B list, and it's a whole bunch of people that like just are terrible at their yeah. jobs. And you can see it's kind of like a Michael Scott in reverse, where he's got it all figured out, but he's just surrounded by these idiots that can't like abide by the Sunday truce, and they shoot Omar's oh grandma's cap off or some shit like. Yeah. Just these, but you idiots. see, more and more, he just gets out of his uh, get out gets out of his league. Like he just gets completely, you know. To begin with, he's really you see him as the competent one. Like he's the one that really knows his mm. shit and is solving everything and has the answers. And by the end, he's just completely lost it. Like he's just completely not recognized the nature of the game. Both so, and that's both sides. So that's both in the you know. Um, the game like Avon tells him, you know, this is the game. This is how it's played. This is what it's like on the streets. But then also when he's trying to get into that legitimate business world and he's completely done over by Clay Davis taking Sucker. all his money and, yeah, and made to be a fool. And he's just, he's trying to play it both and he, in the end he has neither. Yeah, he thinks that he's he was basically the big fish in a small pond and he tried to get out of that and realized, like, there's nothing as special about him as he thought there yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. Because all these bigger fish are going to eat his ass exactly. right now. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how good you are. 
you've got to a you've got to really recognize the game you're playing in, and b you're probably going to get fucked anyway because that's life. Yeah. One other little um, running gag I liked uh, was Valchek getting the pictures of the van at different ports around the world or whatever, <laughs> and it ends up like in Australia or what. I just thought that was pretty funny. Oh my god, how frustrating is it that Valchek becomes fucking oh. commissioner? Like this jackass. Yeah, when, when Cover's like, oh, that guy, he wouldn't know police work. And I thought, oh, I wonder who that is. I just, it didn't even occur to me. And then when you see Valchek, you're just like, you're fucking. Seriously? Kidding. Like, yeah. This fucking Joker. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so one of my favorite running gags, like, I. Landsman, Jay Landsman, oh, yeah. is a character that repulses me, but also cracks yes. me up. He's almost always in the office, either looking at porn or he's eating food. He's such a caricature. But then, like, he's so over the top. But then he'll be, like, giving these eulogies at the, the Irish bar. Yeah. And he has a way of endearing these sons of bitches to the audience. Oh, he's like, he's when he does Jimmy mm. to the end. Yes. He makes you feel like... Yes, this person, he does, he's not lying about it. He's like, this person is a giant, gaping, horrendous asshole. But when he was on as police, he was the best police there was. So, like, he just gives a really honest Yeah, you knew where you were at with him. And, like and he was, yeah, he was really straight up about everything. But he was, you could see he was intelligent. You could see why he was in that position. Because just, like, the the words he used, the the intellectual nature of his speech and stuff like they they played that through the whole time so yeah you were equally repulsed and impressed which is an interesting combination of be <laughs> of someone yeah right? i think that's really interesting another one of my little running gags that i loved was lester's four months because it would always be like oh, oh yeah. we're in pawn shop it's like 13 in years four and four months and then at the end when he's like oh, i got my pension you know 32 years and his wife was like and four yeah, months four months so like that was and four Big months deal. i loved it especially like in the first i haven't even talked about lester at all i loved lester and i loved like that they slow played their hand yes. with him in the first season that he's always like you know carving his little dollhouse furniture like, or whatever he's not adding any value and then he is like putting together this freaking rain man police work and it's just blowing you out of the water um, yeah absolutely but yeah, that's the thing. Like what I really just realized right at the end, I really liked that they, you, you know, they play him slowly in and then he, you find out that he's been like just shoved down in the pawn shop, whatever, for however long, how long, yeah, 13 years and four months because he pissed off cops. <laughs> and, and for the vast majority of the rest of the show, you're like, how could you let someone like him slide? Like, look at his genius. He's so good. And then by the end, you understand why. Because he doesn't give a shit about the rules in the end. In the end, he's just like, well, I'm just going to do what I want. And the fact is you actually do have to care a bit about the rules. And yes, it is a shit show. And he shouldn't have had the money taken away and all of that. But it's because of his actions, like both that they, um, you know, find the money trail, but that they can't use it because of what he's done. It's like the, the saying, you know, alcohol is the cause of and solution to all life's problems. So is Lester for the cops, you know, like he's, He's genius. He comes up with all this great shit and he shits on it. So, yeah, I thought it was, I really liked that they, you had that full picture by the end and you could really understand where they were coming from. They do such a good job with like developing these characters throughout the series and developing the relationships with the characters. There's season four when, is it season four when Jimmy's the radio cop and he's actually like, you can like stomach him because he's yeah. at peace. So like he and Bodhi have this like nice back yeah. and forth and are razzing each other. And he's like actually 
complimentary. He's like, I'm still telling people or dining out about the story about you calling in traffic yeah. when we pulled you over for Hamsterdam. By the way, Hamsterdam. Genius, yes, we have to I talk about Hamsterdam. Yeah. We have to talk. It was such a great sociological experiment and like an idea of what could a possible solution look like? What would be potential consequences? And then what are some potential solutions for that? Like, what's the paper bag or the, yeah, yeah, the brown bag rule that we can do to make this fucking work? Because I actually working. think that has got to be one of the greatest seasons of television ever made. Like, to me, that that was my highlight. Like, loved the, obviously the first season's good. The, the season with the kids is really good, strong. But the third season is the one that really made me think. And really made me, I did like really understand the complexity of the problem. And, you know, yeah, and you're right. They they proposed this idea and sort of gave you this idea of what the, um, how it could work, but how it didn't and what the problems were and how they were stomped on. And yeah, so this is where it actually changed my perspective on drugs. I now think that drugs should be decriminalized. At least all drugs should be decriminalized, at least in certain areas. I like that idea of a free zone. You have to do it right. You have to do it with... Um, you know, maintaining no violence um, with bringing in those doctors and those counsellors and those, um, you know, links up to um, halfway houses, rehab, that kind of stuff. If you did it right, maybe it's a good solution. Like, look how much it solved the crime in other parts of Baltimore. Like, are they, well, they had yeah. those streets where people could come out and sit on their front porch and chat to the beat cops and, you know, like, things changed. Um and yes, Hamsterdam was horrible, but that's maybe because they didn't put as much effort into it. But, but I mean, obviously, Bunny Coven didn't recognise it. I mean, he just thought, well, look, let's give this a try and see what happens, because fuck it, I've only got a few months, right. I might as well try. And yeah, I mean, good on him for trying to make a change. And I really liked it. Like, they really stepped outside of what you expected to happen. You know, this was not a procedural thing. This was not a typical thing. This really broke convention for a show, and it was brilliant. It's just yeah. really brilliant. I freaking love Bunny Colvin yeah. as a character because of his heart and how much he cared about his community. And like the speech he gave Carver about yes. being a soldier versus being a police officer. And like you can see how much Carver respects Colvin and like the changes yeah. he made as a result of that speech. Like he takes the time to try to teach and try to change his community for the better. Absolutely. And I just fucking And so love like, him. you know, you could see all he wanted was to have made some sort of change that was a real change and, you know, make some sort of difference and impact. And while he ended up not being able to do it on the systemic level that he wanted, which I think was right because he never could have. You never could have got away with that. You know, when they're all discussing at the end, like, could we make this work? Is there something we could do? And it all falls apart. You know, you were kind of hoping that it might work, but you knew it. You always knew. You always knew it couldn't, really, in your yeah. heart. You knew it wasn't going to work. But he did make change, you know, even on those little pieces. He managed to get Naimond out of this terrible life, and he he really impacted Carver, and I think that probably will have an impact, impact on the police as Carver keeps going up, you know. Carver turned on that guy who was a piece of shit, by the way. Can't remember his name, but... Calicchio. Yeah, porn stash. Fuck that yeah, guy. Yeah, Calicchio, that's it. Yeah, um... Yeah, he was just such a piece of shit. And for Carver to turn on and go, do you know what? Nah, I'm running you up. I thought that was really good because it showed how much he'd grown from the first season where him, Prez, and Herc were such fucking idiots. You know? Freaking frack that were just constantly... Like, even after Daniels figured out that he that Carver was the se- like the one that was reporting back to Burel, he was like, I trusted you. You let me down. I trust that it won't happen again. And then they make up the fucking fake police informant. I was like, Carver just can't get his fucking shit no. together. Like, he can't... But then he does. But do you know why he does? Because Herc goes. 
Herc. Herc is, yeah, Herc is the weight that keeps Carver down. And once he's freed from Herc, he's got that freedom to sort of grow and be the person he should be. And I like, and but I did like that they sort of kept them as friends anyway, you know, like that they'd formed this bond and that was important. And they had each other's back. So like Herc actually said, well, look, if you think it needed to be done, it needed to be done. And I thought that was good. Good to yeah. show that they respected each other and, and saw that in each other kind of thing. And the same with Kima and Daniels and Lester mm. at the end, because, like, she doesn't really go to their, I guess, farewell party, oh, Jimmy, but, like, yeah. shows up at the end and she's, like, tells them, she's, like, I'm the one who told. And they were, she's, like, I didn't know if you guys would want to drink with me. And they're, like, come on. Yeah. Let's, like, they, there's this level of respect for each other, despite, like, having seen the ugliness of all of these characters, they still will go to bat for yeah. each other, which is kind Absolutely. of lovely. And I think, you know, that, that was another good sh- showing of how Jimmy's learned, trying to learn from his mistakes at least when he's like, look, if you think it needed to be done, then it probably did. That was, yeah, I thought this was yeah. actually quite mature and quite reasonable. So, um, that's shocking for Jimmy. I know, right? Like, yeah, Jimmy, oh my God, you could just write essays. Um, yeah, there's so many characters in the show though that you could write essays about, right? Like, just so much complexity and beauty and for characters that generally might have been ones that wouldn't ever make big names and you know in other shows you wouldn't have a drug addict or a um drug dealer or that's portrayed as a compassionate just and so like empathetic character like just the elements of it and the and the importance of them to the show and yeah I just I really love that I just the depth of it and really helping you understand the hopelessness of the situation that they were in and the the shittiness of all of the systems keeping them down and oh just the systems just breaks you the juking of the stats you know the how the how um Kakiri has to give up oh, the seats on the liquor board to get the other thing. And, you know, like there's just so much shitty, corrupt play going on to try and get anything good coming. It's so depressing, but it's so true. It's like we knew that Daniels would have been the best commissioner to actually make positive changes and get things like where they needed to be going. But because he wouldn't play ball with the dirty people, like, oh, you got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but I like... I like that he had to get out of there because he also wasn't clean. Like, none of them are clean. There was no one you could have gone, well, you're clean. You've done everything perfectly from day one. You know, they were all shitheads. Which, you know, given um, the, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like, basically the negative vibe around the cops in America over the last couple of years. You know, the really huge issues that have been seen with the cops in your country over the last few years, I think, was an important message to kind of send. Like... Yes, there are people who have done dirty and we're still trying to do good, but then there's some people who do dirty and just continue to do dirty, and there's no one who's really bl- blameless. There's nobody who's innocent in this yeah. at all. So everybody, there's a there's a Real Housewife named Phaedra Parks who has a little like thing that she says she's a lawyer and she married a convicted felon, but she says every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. So it's like everybody's got their shit, but everybody has potential. Yeah, like, let's just well, try for the potential. But then the show also reminds you that even if they have potential, they might still just get shit on and, you know, lose everything or just end up being a drug dealer shooting up at a junkyard, which is so depressing. So can we flip to a couple of funny bits uh, to, like, take yeah. the light off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to take the depressing, like, bring some light to the show, Yeah. So, because I was thinking, one of my favorite bits, so we've already talked about Omar in the courtroom, 
that was just top-notch quality. Like that was just beautiful. Um, I loved the photocopier lie detector. Like, oh my god! Took, but how Americans will just believe whatever they're told, and they've got this guy like getting his hand photocopied at the McDonald's. Like, oh, you're just like, come on! But I mean, the guy totally buys it. That was amazing. It was so good. The fact that like they that all the cops were in it wasn't it was clearly not the first time they'd pulled this fucking gag. And oh yeah, yeah, worked. absolutely. And um, I knew there was a new lie detector scene coming up because I was because uh, the previous lie detector scene I thought was quite kind of funny in a way where the, the guy's sitting there and he's like, oh, tell us, you know, you have to answer yes or no. Oh, you have to answer yes, even if you know the answer is no. And he's like, you know, is your name blah blah? He's like, yes. And he's like, are you gay? He's like, motherfucker. What are you- Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> like, my bad. Yes. You know, it's just, just, it was just quality. Like, and then at the end when they come in and go, I can make these results say anything you want. And you're like, that's awesome. That's really great. Actually, that, and back to another depressing thing about it, is that so much about it is, is about, you think they just want to solve the crime, but it's not. So much of the time it's just about clearing the numbers, you know. We've we've got the and arrest. getting your numbers, like our clearance rates or yeah. whatever. Like that's all they're so, caring about. Yeah, you think the – I mean, and you can see there are cops who are like, no, no, I want to get the actual killer here. And then the other people are like, ah, no, I can do it, whatever you want. So then you can put this guy away. No, that's not what I want. I want, it, I want to know the real truth. If he's innocent, I want to know that he's innocent. Yeah, so that did my head in. Um, one bit I thought was hilarious was um, Cheese when he got it was Cheese right who got arrested for putting his dog down when they're like, I had oh to my shoot gosh. my dog. I could not watch the dog oh, fight no, that was scene. awful me either. Um, yeah, but he was like, I had to shoot my dog. I haven't been out of sleep since. Rah, rah, rah. And they're like, Oh my god, we've got him straight for murder. And then they're interviewing him, and he still doesn't get it. And he's like, Yeah, I killed my dog because it was injured. And they're like. Where's the body? He's like, I don't know, still lying in the garage. Like, it's just fucking hilarious. That whole miscommunication of that scene. Like, it's just quality. And then they had to burn up yeah. their whole wire before it, because like, of that. Like, just the lunacy of it. One of my favorite things. Like, so, the guy that plays Rawls, I've seen him in a couple of things. He actually plays on The Affair. He plays Dominic West's father-in-law. Uh-huh. And they have, like, an yeah, they have a very um, strange relationship, we'll say. So, it was cool to see... Him, because I expected him to be this hard ass. But then the show, as it goes through, like, you see he does have another side to him. Like, when Kima's shot and he tells McNulty, he's like, it's not your fault. And you can believe me because I hate you. And I would tell you if it was yeah. your fault. And so, like, he's doing nice things or... Um, the fact he's gay when he's in the fucking... Yeah. Yeah. I fucking... And I just... Got so excited. And then being in the in the um, gay bar, and then it's never referred to again. It's just, just a like thing. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Just quality. And then when um, Bunny is talking about, he first of all, at Comstat every week, and everybody's like talking about their numbers, and Rawls is just reading every, like, so good. And he knows his shit. every week yeah, about their numbers. Rawls just knows his he shit. He does know yeah. his shit. And then, so Bunny's telling him about fucking Hamsterdam, and he's like, you know, it's really fucking genius that, and like, he's like, I'm putting all this pressure on you guys to get your numbers down. And in one fell swoop, Bunny gets his crime drop 14%. Shame it's going to get us all out of jobs, but hell of a fucking yeah, yeah. try. And then, but- and then Bunny like brings in the letters from the community and Rawls is the only one who goes to read the letters. Like he wants to like learn about it and yeah, understand. Game, so, like, game, right? It was an unexpected. Yeah. 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 I fucking, I like so, yeah, I didn't hate him as much as I think you could. Like, he absolutely had flaws. But yet again, this is another example of where no one is perfect, but no one is completely 
absolute shit. Like, even Clay Davis, mostly terrible person, but did do some good things for the community, right? And obviously had the respect of some people in the community. So you couldn't say that anyone was just straight up terrible. No, it's all shades yeah. of gray throughout the it was cast. Fascinating. Um, is there is there anything that you would do differently for this? I think show? the only thing I thought of was that they just needed a few more women. Yeah, you know they had a couple of strong women in it. Kima was brilliant, and I really liked how she was always the competent one from the beginning. And she had the. I was a bit frustrated mm-hmm. that they turned her in a Jimmy for a bit, but I liked that. Yeah, yeah that but I like that after she saw the kid and, and it really broke her heart and that's how she started spending more time with her kid. And I did think that was a really interesting storyline to bring in the idea that, you know, it's not just this idea of, oh, men don't might not want to spend time with their kids or whatever, like it could be in a gay relationship as well. Like that's totally where she's feels trapped in this idea of having kids and it's not what she wants and stuff. I thought that was quite, um, it was quite a good thing to do, although it really frustrated me. Um, Rhonda, I thought Rhonda really grew, you know, impressed more over the seasons and developed and that was quite cool. I liked that. Um, but you know, you could have done with more, more strong women. Yeah. Um, there was really only the two. Well, BD, Beatty, you got a little bit of, and I liked how Beatty was because, like, they did phase her out a little bit. But in season five, I liked that she was holding Jimmy to the fucking yeah. fire. She's like, "This is what it is." Like, and by the way, next time you're gonna be the one out of here because this is my motherfucking yeah, house. I was like, "Yes, Beatty, tell this motherfucker yeah, what it no, is." She was good. She was really good. Um, and I liked, you know, so Snoop obviously added, um, a total complexity as well to to that, like this badass woman who just had no time. And she was the hardest of all of them, really. Like She really was. No time for anyone. Um, oh, my God. I loved the opening scene for season five when she's buying the nail gun. Yes. And she, like, gives the man $800. And she's like, no, you keep that. That's your tip. You schooled me yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it was just so fucking funny. And then when she went back into the car and was telling Chris, like, teaching him all about the nail gun and how it works. And he's like, she said it was the Cadillac, but he met Lexus. He just didn't know better. No, yeah, that's right. I'm that like, was good. That I was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually just like, yeah, their whole conversation. And he's just like, oh, what are you what are you doing with this? And she's, you know, she sort of says a couple of things where he's just kind of like, wait, what? Like, you know, taking it. She's like, this could kill a guy or something, doesn't she? And he's just like, I don't know if she's joking or not. Like, <laughs> just that whole thing was fucking hilarious. Like, that was a really quality scene. I loved that yeah, scene. That was tops. The thing that I would do differently would completely change the show. So I don't actually want to do it, but it would have made me feel better watching it had there been more satisfying endings for certain characters. Yeah, I mean, characters. you want that. Absolutely. I want that. I, I crave that, but I also understand the impact that it has for them not to give us that and, like, how much more it sits with you and you think about the problems mm-hmm. and you think about what needs to be done and what you can the make realism do. of the situation, you know, like as much as you wanted Duquesne to get out or Michael to get out, you just couldn't. As much as you wanted Bubbles to entirely turn his life around and have this huge, wonderful career, he couldn't. Uh, you know, all of these different things. As much as you wanted Daniels to be commissioner and clean up the department, it just couldn't happen. There's just the systems are fucked and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I get exactly what you mean. You wanted to see justice for the bad ones and happiness for the good ones. And sometimes you got, you got enough of that, I think, that you didn't end up hating it. Right. But an, not enough to make it anywhere fair or, yeah, I totally get that. It doesn't tie it up in a nice little bow, which I know is no. the point, but it doesn't make it easier. I think to it did end well enough, though. You kind of could see enough of things, yes. how they continued on, tied up a couple of storylines, you know, just kind of 
closed it out while saying, yeah, well, I mean, it'll keep going. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the message of the show was very clear. I did feel closure. I did see, like, the cycle begins anew, like, here we fucking go again. And, like, it's true. 20 years later, the shit is still the fucking same, if not possibly worse. They should make so- a remake. You know, they could go back now and be like, here are all the, you know, we're the whole new system, all new people, but it's similar. You know, I think you could do that and it'd be interesting because you've got different technology again that you're dealing with and showing yes. them trying to find stuff on the internet or whatever could be interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I did think if you were going to do a sixth season, I was thinking like the health system could be one that you could address. Oh my fucking Christ. Talk about a broken yeah, system. Absolutely. Jesus. Like, and I think, you know, they did bring that up a few times with like the, the nurse, like giving Cuddy shit about being a gangbanger and, and uh, totally fair. And the amount of shit that they must see people turning up and lying about injuries or, you know, having got so much worse from injuries that they were hiding. I don't know. I feel like you could do something with that, but, um, there's just so many broken systems and I don't have the answers. So this is like one of those shows that makes me root for the humanity ending event, i.e. like if mm-hmm. there is a freaking meteor or asteroid that's coming for us or like whatever, like bring it on. Let the earth, the earth will recover and begin anew and we can just be yeah. done with it. We have done mm-hmm. enough damage. It was just, yeah, heartbreaking show around, but just so good. But it resonates. I feel like it changed my perception and how I think about things. And it is making me think about things that I wouldn't normally yeah. think about. And just the fact that it's so different from my life. Like, oh, I couldn't see my life in much of that at all. But it still really resonated with me and made me think about things and actually recognize my own privilege and my own luck yes. you know just the fact that I was born here the fact that I had the parents that I have the fact that I'm the, the level of smart that I am the, you know just all of the things that have come together to make me have the life that I have I'm pretty fucking lucky and I think that's a really important thing to take away from that show and most people watching it probably should because I guess most of you don't have to deal with the amount of shit that some of those people were dealing with I can't I can't even imagine and I feel I feel the worst for the children in these situations. They are fucked from the fucking jump in Mm -hmm. every which way. And they are the innocent ones and they are just victims of their own circumstance over and Mm -hmm. over again. And like, it It really does. Yep. All right. Well, Liz, who would you like to marry, bang and kill from the wire? Okay. Did I, I'm sure I wrote this down. I can go first if you want me to. Yeah, you go first. Okay, so I'm going to marry Lieutenant Daniels because we saw him shirtless plenty of times, oh God, and he also felt like fuck. he was, and he has like a moral sense about him in his current position. I know that he he has his past, which is fine. Everybody's got their past, but he is trying to do good, and he wants to be the best person that he can be. And I respect the shit yeah, out of absolutely. that. Absolutely, he's trying to do right by the people in his life. You know, yeah, good for I him. like it. I'm going to bang Stringer because Idris Elba, obviously. And then I'm going to kill Ziggy because he, that fucking kid, he is so annoying. We haven't talked enough about like season two, but yes. Oh my God. Ziggy was just, oh, he was so infuriating. The goo, with the duck. Was it a goose or a duck? Uh, Fuck that. I have that on there. That was when he made the list for kill because when they killed that Mm -hmm. fucking duck, like, I'm it was funny you. to start. Like, I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then, oh. There's a duck no. in a bar. But then when they started feeding it alcohol. I was like, okay, like, okay so it could sip a couple of dips of beer. That's fine, whatever. But then that he actually kills it because he kills it through drugs is insane. 
like it. Yeah. It's Ziggy just can't help himself. Like he gets the money and he's like, oh, don't be flashy about it. And he buys his fucking $2,000 leather jacket. He's going to fucking try to sell drugs, even though like he's just, he is such a fucking fuck up and he continues to put the people around him in bad positions. And I just, I can't with fucking Ziggy. Ziggy's got to go. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because yeah, he was such a fucking idiot. Like just everything he did, he was just such a fucking idiot. And I felt bad for Frank Sabotka in the end, who was... Not a oh. perfect guy, again. And he was trying to, but he had he had a bit of a morality. You know, he was trying to support his son, even though he wasn't really doing his son any favours. Um, he was shipping drugs, but he was really upset about those girls in the can. And that's something that I can't believe that we didn't even touch on, is the fact that, well, how many girls were in that can? Oh, that was one of my favourite running jokes. It was 14 girls in the can. And then when Jimmy kept, like, first of all, like all the agencies are trying to not yes. take on the 14 Jane Doe's. But, like, Jimmy keeps getting it sent over to yes. Rawls, so Rawls keeps getting stuck with these 14. Yeah, and then it. Lester and yeah. Buck, they get stuck with the yes. cases, so they make Jimmy take a shot for every member of, they said, the, every member of the Deer family that you stuck us with. And so he did that was excellent. Shots. And, um, yeah, the fact that Jimmy spends, like, three hours or whatever, like, trying to line up the mat to make sure that it works into Rawls. Yes. That was, that was <laughs> He's, like, doing the fucking currents, like... He just wanted so bad to say, fuck you, Rawls, because yeah. Rawls put him on the boat. He's like, well, let me show you what I've learned being in yep. there. Yeah, and time. he knew that actually they were the only ones that might work it to actually get an answer as well. But just the fact that even that 14 girls would die in a in a container and everyone's like, well, it's not my problem and it's not even a homicide, is it, because it was an yeah. accident. they don't want to solve it. They just don't want to be I'm stuck like, with it. Come on, man, this is 14 dead girls. Like, what the fuck? And I thought that was... But then again... Yeah it's marginalized people because they're coming over as sex workers. And so they're like, who gives a fuck about 14 mm-hmm. dead hookers? Like, absolutely. And it, yeah. And I, I thought that was good actually that that came up and that was an issue that they were dealing with. And like, yeah, so Frank didn't want a part of that, you know, and he, you could see he was trying to do right. And it was the only reason he was doing all the shit he was doing was just trying to bring industry back to the city. And in the end he failed, of course, and Kakiti turned his port into a waterfront or whatever. So it was all pointless, as was everybody's everything. Um, yeah. So, yes, fuck Ziggy. <laughs> like, fuck! You know, kill Ziggy. Yeah. No, no, like, yes, I know, like, yeah, yeah, kill Ziggy. Great. I know. <laughs> all right. Um, big okay. decision, because it's such a massive cast, right? So it's like, and it's such a, yeah, it's such a huge cast. I am going to marry. That's <sighs> a big call. I think I might marry Ellis Carver. I get that. Because he was, he was handsome and he, he had a good, oh, no, no, actually, do you know what? Scratch that, I scratch it, Gus. I'm marrying Gus. Oh, yeah, I get Gus. that. Me and, we would have I great times, that. like, just arguing over whether you should use a gerund at the start of the sentence or, like, the nuances <laughs> of the word evacuated, which was quality. That was a good callback, actually, <laughs> where Jimmy's like, he's evacuated himself. The, the the corpse that smelled <laughs> and calling back to like the newsroom having yeah. had that conversation I thought that was quite funny but yeah so Gus um you know really clever patient kind kind of guy I I think he'd be a fabulous husband passionate as well so like that's absolutely always a plus. so yeah um and yeah the intellectual wordplay I'm always a fan of so yeah absolutely marrying him I love that uh, I am going to f- oh, oh fuck Carver then because Carver was pretty fit. Uh, yeah, I absolutely yeah. would have tapped him. And kill. Uh, it's a tough call. I'm just like looking through the through the cast, and there's just so many options that you could do. 
But I think in the end I might kill Mallow just because of his... That, I, was, I was hoping you would say that because, like, he needs to die. Yeah. Like, he really like, needs Avon to die. Like, Avon wasn't great. I wasn't a big fan of Avon either. But um, Avon just wasn't as brutal as Mallow. Mallow got away with too much shit. And it just, yeah, that needed to be the end of that. Oh, and, like, I almost wish that it was him that got um, taken down by Slim Charles. And they right at the end. But oh, that yeah. was, sh- like, that blew me away. And they, they were really good at that, just bringing in those little moments of, oh, my God. You know, when Slim Charles just suddenly pops Cheese in the head. And you're like, yes. Yeah, because Cheese is, like, fucking trying to be the big dick and take over and apply pressure and be that yeah. asshole. And, and he's everybody a else in the co-op understands, like, yes, he's, he's a fucking And they jackass. know that. So, like, and Slim Charles is, like, this very much this stand back, like, ah, you know, I'm not a leader. I'm not doing that. And he's like, do you know what? I just had enough of your shit. Pop. I just, oh, amazing. So, yes, there we go. So I good. Would. Mary, Gus, fuck Carver. Is that what I said? Yes, and bang Mallow. That's what I'm doing. Yep. Did I say bang Mallow? No, kill Mallow. Yes, yeah, good. Yeah. I, you, I knew what you, well, bang with the gun. Yeah, pop, like, that's bang, whatever. what you meant. Got there. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. All right, well, thank you so much for... A, getting me to revisit this show, and B, to discuss all the feelings of society with me. Because, like, there's no one else I would rather Thank do you. that Even with. though I'm not actually American, and so it's a little bit cheeky for me to come in and be like, your country is bad at this. Because, you know, New Zealand's got its own feelings too, but... Some of these feelings, I'm sure, are not strictly American, but we tend to have the most of them, so <laughs> I think these particular ones, are, some of these issues are, you know, distinctly American issues, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's just depressing to watch all the societal failures, but at least they're being called out somewhere, I guess. Somebody is saying the truth and I will respect and appreciate the shit out of that forever. Yeah. So. If I could send the showrunners a floral arrangement of the towers or a, or a machine gun with, good, <laughs> you know, Crafts buddy oh or God. something. Who I love it? those floral arrangements. Who was it that got Bodie. the fucking funeral flowers? Bodie got the terrace flowers for D'Angelo. <laughs> and I really liked that. I was like, he's like, you know, we had our disagreements, but you gotta you gotta show respect to the to the man, you gotta show respect to the dead or whatever. And, he, and he's like trying to decide what he wants. And those floral arrangements were just incredible. Like, oh, oh I loved it. It was so good. Okay, so I, for Rabbit Ears listeners, next month I'm going to be taking the month off because for October, Paul is coming on and we're going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which has a fuck ton of episodes. So I want to rewatch all of them, but I don't want to have to like do it so fast that I can't appreciate and enjoy them. So that's what that's going to be. I'm so excited to hear that episode because I I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh my God. Well, what's strange is I did Ozark last month, which was drugs. And then this month is The Wire, which is drugs and police. And then next time is fucking Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is the police. So like. That's awesome. I'm a mix of Jake and I'm a mix of Jake and Amy, you see. So I'm beautiful. I feel like Dan is more Amy and I'm more. I feel like I'm a mix of Jake and um, Chelsea Peretti. What's her fucking character's name? Gina. I feel like I have a little bit of a Gina energy sometimes, but now I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming a little more of a Terry. That's awesome. That's not a bad so, thing. Yeah. You can tell Dan, uh, <laughs> given I'm still salty at him, that I think he is a scully. I will tell him Excellent. exactly that. All right. Well, I will talk to you, Liz, in, in five <laughs> seconds, because we're getting ready to record movie reviews in 20 cues we right sure now. Are. So go... Go check that out whenever it comes out. It's going to be me and Liz and Emily. We're talking about Rambo, a.k.a. First Blood, which is the real name of it. 
Yay, exciting. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. It was so good to just really delve into the show and it's just been, yeah, it's been awesome. As I knew it would be. I, I love talking to you. And so I'm always very happy to have you on and you're welcome back anytime. Cool. I'll start thinking of what my next uh, targeted show will be and uh, we'll, I'll have my people talk to your people. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll put out the, I don't know. The, the ABB. Word. I don't know. I'm, I'm out of words the now. The ABB. It's, it's police related. <laughs> the yeah. ABB. Yes. Exactly what Liz said. All right, motherfuckers, deuces. When you walk through the garden, kind of watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Bye.